Father, we thank you for today. You have given us ministration from the children. You have ordained today that we may hear from babes and sucklings the ordained praise that you yourself have desired for yourself and for the edification of your church. As we look into your word, in addition to all that you have ministered to us this morning, instruct our hearts, direct our minds, and bring us, O Lord, to a point of surrender where we need to, bowing before your authority and proclaiming you Lord over our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Praise the Lord. Today is Children's Day. Our topic says building our children with a foundation. Our Bible passage began with a word, therefore. Therefore, whoever hears the word. It's a basic, a basic rule in Bible study that when you see therefore in the passage you're reading, you want to sit back, you want to go back and find out what it is there for. If a passage begins with therefore, you want to find out why is, what is it there for. And this is about the last paragraph, as it were, on the summon uh, on, on the summon on the mount. And our theme this year has been essentially that summon on the mount, Matthew five to seven. So it's almost like a conclusion to the matter. After all that the Lord has declared, He says, On account of all I have said, as a conclusion to all I have declared on this mount, therefore, whoever hears these words, whoever hears these words and pays heed to them, praise the Lord. And He tells that wonderful parable about the building. Two buildings, to be precise. He says he's like the man who established his building on the rock. Notice what happened both to this man's building and in the one that followed. The rain poured down. The rivers flooded over. The wind blew hard. These are all if you like, natural disasters, extremes of weather, extremes of what happens every day. How many of us do not experience daily happenings and occasionally extremes of them? Challenges in life. And he says, these things came. But this first house did not fall. This first house did not fall. It wasn't because it was built with uh, high carbon steel. No. It wasn't because the blocks were made of diamond, indestructible diamond. No. Perhaps what was used to build that house was just like what was used to build the second one. 
But the Lord did not keep us in doubt as to why that house did not fall in spite of all the hard situations, economic, physical, weather, climatic, that came against it. It says, because it was built on the rock. Because it was built on the rock. And notice that he had an adjective for describing that first builder. He says, he is like a man. Who is like a man? The person who hears these words of mine and obeys them. The children's drama concluded by emphasizing on obedience. Let there be obedience. If you find that there is no obedience, do something about it. Correct it. Let there be obedience. The Lord in concluding the Sermon on the Mount says, When you hear these things, when you have heard this my words, when you have come to church, you have heard everything that is being said, when you have listened to the message, you do well. Indeed, if you look at the book of Revelation, there is a blessing for hearing the word of God. But he says, you are wise when, having heard these things, you obey. And you are wise like this man who built on the rock. All the things that he had declared from chapter 5 to this last part of chapter 7. If you hear, having heard, if you obey, you are wise. And we're looking at building our children with a foundation. The difference between the first builder and the other was that they essentially had the same supplies of materials. Essentially. But this one took time out to establish a foundation. If you've ever been to a building site, establishing a foundation is not an easy thing. It's not a fun thing. No. You have all the blocks, you have all the cement, you have all the mortar. Why not just lay the thing? But no. You dig. You dig a trench. You want to get down to that level that is solid. You want to get down to that level that will not be moved by the wind. To that level that when the winds of doctrine come, it will not shake. It will be sturdy because it is settled on a rock. Jesus is the rock of ages. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. If we're going to build, and we're talking about building our children now, because it's very important. It's very important. Our future depends on this. Many of us who have had cost to travel abroad, to UK for instance, have decried the situation of the church there. Many big cathedrals are being sold off. Some are just being abandoned because nobody is coming there. Where is that? What is the missing link? The children. The children were left. They were built on 
They were built up, but without that foundation. The ones that are still existing, you find old and gray people attending. They had missed that foundation. The building was completed. It's completed. Very fine, elegant people, scientists, people who can create things, are making inroads in technology. But there is no foundation. And that is why what was declared in the last part of verse 27 is happening in some of those countries. The wind comes, the rains pour down, and there is great falling. Great falling. It's not too long ago that we received the news of almost the impossible that is now reality and becoming more and more real every day. A place as London has a Muslim as its mayor. As the way it's going, very soon the whole of the parliament, as it were, from the local level, perhaps even onto the national level, will become filled by people who will have the moral right, the legal power to say, we vote that England becomes an Islamic state. And it will just be a question of applying the democratic rules. The simple rules that have existed. But we want to look at our own nation. We cannot decry what has happened in other places or is happening there. We can learn from them. But we must be mindful of our own. Building our children with a foundation. Among the verses that were recited is that lovely one, famous one, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not stray from it. It is your duty and mine to train up a child. And it's interesting how the word of God puts it. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not stray from it. It's a very interesting thing because sometimes we say, Ah, but we have tried with this and that person and he strayed. My brother, my sister, if you train up a child in the way he should go, he may deviate somewhere along the line. He may be deceived somewhere along the line. But when the Lord wants him back, the Lord will get him back. Why? He already has a receptor site. Let me use medical terms. I'm sure there are medical students. He already has a receptor site that he can just plug into and get this person back. But if it is not there, the Spirit of the Lord has to start a walk afresh of cultivating, cutting down the bush and establishing arable spots to plant. It is easier for a child who has been trained in the way of the Lord to turn again and say, Ah! How can I be here suffering, being abused? My father is the God of heaven. 
Because I have already strayed, I will not go back to him and say, take me back as your son. But I know that if I come to him and say, receive me as your servant, I am better off as a gatekeeper in the door, in the house of my father, than as a security chief in this dungeon that I find myself. Remember the parable of the prodigal son. It is because he already had that earlier foundation. That's why when he came to his senses, he could return to his father. He could return with humility. He could realize that I don't even deserve for him to receive me. But I know him. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the faithful one. He is kind. He will accept me as a servant. It is because he had been trained. So even if you are here. And you have done your level best. To train up your child. And as we speak. He is out of the canopy. Out of the cover of the Lord. Do not relent. Your prayer is required. And he will come back. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Tells us that. We should not provoke and irritate our children. There is a part we must play. Even in training the children. Us is not just to declare the rules. Tell them what to do. Stand and give the command. No, it doesn't end there. There is so much more. So much more. Because training involves not only instructing, but showing the way. And not just showing, but taking that child's hand and doing it. It is not enough that you say, I am living the good life. He should observe me. Children live by imitating what they see. But if you are busy showing off what you want him to imitate, and he is distracted, and you are not even conscious enough to know that he is distracted, you will do all your showing. You will do all your displaying. But he will not see. He will not have observed. He will not be able to imitate. Because he can only imitate what he has seen. So it gives us a higher calling, a deeper function. You will teach, you will command, you will display that life. Not when you say, do not tell lies. Do not tell somebody, I am here, when you are there. And there you are, telling somebody on your cell phone that, I am in Lagos. Can't you understand? I cannot see you today. I am in Lagos. And your child is mouth agape. And if he's the bold type, and many are these days, by the time you are done with that phone call, he'll ask you, Daddy, I, I thought this is Enugu. And almost certainly, 
You will not realize where he's coming from. This is Enugu now. But I heard you telling somebody that you are in Lagos. And depending on how arrogant you are, you will either silence him and tell him to just keep quiet. Or you will bow your head in shame. But we need to live out a life that our children can copy. And when we're living it out, we need to be mindful that they're seeing what we are living out. Sometimes you need to tell a child, come and see this. If you have ever had cause to have an apprentice to teach somebody something, you not make a very good apprentice or professional out of that your apprentice if all you allow him to do is to just call No. There will be times when you say, Come, 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 come and focus on this thing. Come and see how I'm doing this thing. Because you know that he needs to see beyond just what he's looking at. He needs to know that this is an essential point, a more important point. Praise the Lord. The problem was not the house that was built. No. The problem was not how much they spent in educating the children. The problem was not which school did you send them to. The problem was the foundation. All these things, all these beautiful things that you build, on what foundation is it lying? Will they become top-line scientists? Professors in their various areas. It is okay. It is good. But what will be the backbone of whatever it is they become? What will they fall back to when all else, when the troubled times comes, when the rivers overflow their bounds, when the challenges come, when they say, you have to do this so that we can maintain this your professorship. And he says, this is not the way I have learned it. If it is going to cost me the professorship, take it away. But I will not lie to my God. Joseph said, I am in Egypt. There is nobody watching me here. But I will not do this evil against my God and my master. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it away. You know, many times when we quote that verse, we focus so much attention on the rod, on that rod. Maybe, but... Look again. It says the rod of correction. The rod of discipline. Some verses, some versions say. It is what that rod is doing that is of utmost importance. And I want to take a lesson from Psalm 23. Let us use that to bring out some more truth from this verse. When it says there about the Lord being my shepherd... His, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Somebody commenting on that, somebody who, who is um, more versed with the ways of the Jewish people, 
and the shepherd's life in Israel. Said that that rod that the shepherd carries and moves ahead of the sheep, that it's amongst many functions. It's usually, if you see it in diagrams or even in pictures, you find that it is usually as tall as the shepherd, if not even taller. That as he moves, the sheep are coming in lines, in droves from behind him. And the ones behind who are being blocked by those in front of them are looking up to see that road, to know which direction is going. And that leads them. That is what shows them direction. In the night when they are going home and, and the, the, the sun sets, as the shepherd moves with that road and each step he takes, he goes on the ground, the rocky ground, the wilderness, that the sheep are listening. They cannot see that road, but they can hear its sound as it moves, as the shepherd moves with it. And they follow that sound. The road of correction is what we, you and I, adults, and it's not just parents, adults, because Proverbs 22.6 says, train a child, train up a child in the way he should go. It's not just train up your child. No, it's not limited to your biological child. Many of us have people that we train, or that are, we're given the privilege to train, that are not our biological children. And it is as, the responsibility is as much as if they are your biological children. And I can say, I stand to be corrected, that even the benefits are as much, if not much more, when they are not your biological children. When somebody you have trained can come out and he is much more grateful to you as mommy, as daddy, than even his own biological father or mother. Because you have been a mother to that child. You have been a father to that child. That rod of correction is something that we, in our attitude, in what we display, will drive out the foolishness in that child. You can focus on the rod and miss the correction. And so often that happens. But don't miss the rod because you want to emphasize correction. The Lord has balanced them both. The world will tell you these days, hey, don't do anything that will make the child feel pain. Maybe. But if the Lord said, rod of correction, he had a reason. We dare not be smarter than the Lord. Praise the Lord. We dare not be smarter than the Lord. It is our duty, yours and I and mine, to make sure that we have a life that our children can look up to. We have a life that we are not ashamed to have our children see, look at, behold. We are not cautious. No. Let him see it. You want him to see it. You want him to learn from it. You want him to see how you spoke to this person. You want him to behold how you answered this person. 
Because that is what you will have him grow to be. That is what God will have you make him or her to be. But how can you do that unless you have the Lord in you? Unless you have already surrendered your life to Jesus. Unless you can say like Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If if you are not able to say that, you need to get a foundation yourself. So that all those you are building will have a strong foundation that you are building them on. And let it be known that we build actively. But in this race, we also build passively. There are children in your neighborhood, in your house, children that you may never have seen, who are being built by you without your knowing. You are the Bible that they are reading. And if they say, Ah, Uncle Joe did it like this, that's how I'm going to do it. You say to yourself, Ah, but I'm not, I didn't make myself his, uh, his role model. No, you are, whether you made yourself or not. And you have a responsibility to fulfill that job that the Lord has laid on you. Praise the Lord. There's this Christian movie called Courageous. Some of us may have watched it. And one of the characters in that movie, a man called Javier, jobless man, he had lost his job. And in one of the scenes, he declared to his wife, said, I feel like a rich man. The Lord had touched him giving him an experience beyond comprehension. And he said, I feel like a rich man. He was still poor. He was still unable to to pay his bills, as it were, at that point in time. And his wife gave him an answer that I think every man here needs to think about. His wife said, you are a rich man. You have a strong faith. You have children who love you and a wife who adores you. His being a rich man was not dependent on how much he had in his bank account. It was dependent on how much these people that God had put him in charge of, giving him headship over, how much of a strong foundation he was placing them. How much of a strong direction to the Lord he was being. We are called to be signposts directing people to the Lord. Directing the children in our care to the Lord. Directing our offspring to the Lord. Anything short of that and the only verdict is what is at the end of Verse 27, fall, a great fall. It is a mighty failure. Many times we go into the argument of, okay, these are our children that we're training. Who 
is responsible? Whose business is it more? Because after all, it's not it's not just me. It's not just the parents. And sometimes when we go into that argument, we even bring in a standard of they spend more time here. So they, they, we could have put that as a debate. Is it the school? Is it the home? Is it the church? I did a little survey, a little assessment, and I was looking at which territory, let's not look at the persons now, but which zone, which place is the child, does the child spend more time in? We assume, let's assume that where he spends more time in should, be, should take more responsibility in grooming him. Is that, is that not so? Is that agreeable? So, I looked at school. School, on the average, they spend six to eight hours every day, five days a week. So, that brings it to about 30 to 40 hours in a week. In the church, using our church, for example, spend a maximum of five to six hours, assuming you come every Sunday, every Wednesday. Five to six hours every week. That comes as a shock to you, doesn't it? Five to six hours every week, compared to 30 to 40 hours in school. What about at home? If we remove 8 to 10 hours of sleep for 7 days, that's about roughly 70 hours a week. Let's remove it as sleep. It's not a contact period. Even though we know it's also a contact period to an extent. That leaves 54 hours a week. 54 hours a week at home. And this is when school is in session, which is about 39 weeks, three quarters of the year. When school is not in session, the home has 94 hours a week of contact time with the child. So my brother, my sister, where is this child going to be groomed? Where is his training? Where is the impact most likely to occur? as far as time available is concerned, is in the home. Is in the home. Somebody may raise an argument, ah, but uh, not there all the time. Ah, couldn't that same argument be raised by the other people you have pushed the responsibility to? The teacher could say, I'm not there all the time. Part of the time I'm marking his books. Part of the time I'm in staff meeting, part of the time they're on break. But let's take it on face value. That is the time available for you to impact the child. That is the time available. So, if your child has been molded out of shape, where do you think the greatest impact came from? Clearly, the home. Whether you like it or not, it may have been actively or it may have been passively, by not being there, by being busy with other things. In First Kings 20, the prophet came to Ahab and told him a parable about how somebody was given to him to take care of. Look after this man. It will be his life for your life. And he said, I busied myself here and there. 
while I busied myself here and there, this prisoner of war escaped. And Ahab, in all his wickedness, in all his unholiness, was just enough to say, Welcome, you have declared your own judgment. And that is the way it is with us, my brother, my sister. Our children are given to us to build up. Having heard these words, you are wise if you obey them. If you do not know what these words are, go back to our theme, Matthew 5 to 7. Look at it again. I don't think you even need to go beyond those three chapters to know what you should do about building these children with a foundation. About making these children stand for the Lord. I look at some members in the choir, some people in the youth fellowship, and I remember a couple of years back when they were still in the Sunday school. And it's gladdening to see what they have grown to become and what they are growing to become. That foundation in the Lord, that foundation on the rock of ages is all important. And every single ministration that has come here this morning, if you think about it, is pointing towards that. That with all the niceties, all the beautiful things we want to make our children, we want to make them have be fluent in grammar, we want to make them have the best results in school. We want to make them be able to generate things, be able to create things, be creative. With all of that, nice as they are, at the end of the day, what will count, what will be of utmost importance is how they stand with the Lord. What do they declare of the, of the Lord of hosts? What is their relationship with the Lord? When all these things fail, because they will fail, they will come and they will go. What will remain is the connection with the Lord. What will remain is the connection with the Lord. And even when these things still remain, their usefulness, their utility, is only as much as it fulfills the work of God. Whatever they are doing as workers when they grow up, whatever they are doing as a vocation, if it is not a tent-making business to further the kingdom of God, to demonstrate the kingdom lifestyle, it is a waste of time. It is a waste of time because it is just fire-consumable, waiting to meet its destruction. But this morning, we are interested in building our children with a foundation, with a good foundation, with the foundation that stands, with the foundation that the Lord is able to look at us and say, this one is a wise man. This one is a wise woman. If you don't have that, if what you're building does not generate that kind of response from the Lord, 
you are carrying out an exercise in futility. And that status has to change this morning. That status has to change this morning. That status has to change this morning. Praise the Lord. In conclusion, let us look at Genesis. Let us look at a man whom we always go back to. We always delight in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 19. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 19 is a verse that we always like to refer to because it speaks volumes about our responsibility. Genesis 18 from verse 17 to 19. Genesis 18 from verse 17 to 19. And it says, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. Go ahead. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Praise the Lord. Very, very strong truths there. One version says, I know he will teach his children. I know he will command his children to obey me and do what is right and just. So that what? So that I will fulfill all that I have promised him. If you have not seen a correlation there, please see it. He is commanding his children. He is directing them. He is showing them. He is building them on a foundation that has them obeying the word of God is the requirement for what God has promised to be fulfilled. Did he promise? Yes. But is he just going to fulfill his promise like that? No, 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 no. He says, I know Abraham. He is going to do this. And it is that he's doing. That he's commanding his children. That he's establishing his children. That is going to ensure that this thing I promised him will just have free flow. God doesn't have to work the engine. He's obeying and commanding his children and training them in that. Opens the doorway, the promise of God just flows through. And if you read through Genesis, you will appreciate what I made allusion to earlier on. When Abraham, at this point, Abraham didn't have a child yet. And God was talking about this. When Abraham sent his servant, um, his, name, his name flies from my head now, Eliezer, thank you. When he sent him to go and look for a wife, the man got there. And what principles did he use? The very principles he had learned from Abraham. Oh Lord, guide me, direct me. So Abraham, even when he didn't have his own child was already grooming those under his charge to know the foundation, to know the Lord, to know the one on whom you can trust for every decision. It is our responsibility. 
But notice one thing else that this brings out. And this perhaps zones in on a very important aspect of our living as Christians. The responsibility is to all of us. Father, mother, siblings, cousins, neighbor. We all have that responsibility. But God is going to hold the fathers accountable. Accountability is of that person whom he has given and who has very um, boldly and uh, sometimes arrogantly taken up the, the rank of I'm the head. Yes, you are the head. Many times we talk about rights and privileges of a position. But I prefer to look at rights and responsibilities. Those are the two sides. The rights and privileges are almost on one side of the coin. But there is rights and privileges on one side. There is responsibility on the other side. And that responsibility becomes accountability for the fathers. Praise the Lord. The question this morning. Father, mother, uncle, auntie, sister, big sister, big brother. Does God know you like he knew Abraham that you will teach those who are under you to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, to walk in his way? Can God say that of you? That I know. Chidema. I know. Amarachi. I know. Paul. I know that he will teach those I have placed under him. Those he knows are under him. Those he does not even know are looking up to him and learning from him. That he will teach them. That the Lord is the foundation, is the rock on which to build. That every other thing is fire consumable, destructible, eh, without value, unless it is connected to the Lord. Does God know that He will teach, that you will teach that? Does He know of you that you will teach that? He needs to have that knowledge and be able to make that declaration concerning you. Concerning me. The other part of it is. Do you know this God? Which is where we are going to close. Do you know this God? How well do you know him? Is he just another. What our fathers. Who our fathers worshipped. I was born a Christian. Therefore, I go to church. I am an Anglican. Therefore, I go to... Do you know him as a personal Lord and Savior? Can you hear from him? Does he guide your decisions? Is he to you the only one you can connect to, link to, make final resolution, final resort to concerning any decision in life. 
Is it to you the one who can speak a word and all that you have declared that I'm going to do, I'm going to do. You only hear one word from him and you say, I submit. Is he that to you? Or just another entity that, well, whenever we go to church, we hear about him. You need to know him. Because if you do know him, even if you are in a situation where you are having a hard time fulfilling this charge to build the child under your care, on a foundation, you are doing your level best. In fact, you are going beyond your level best and it doesn't seem to be working if you know him. If you know him, you will stand and you will know that Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. The word of God is flawless. It will not fail. It will come to pass. Let us bow our heads as we pray. If you do not have this connection with the Lord, if you have not known him to this point where It is clear to you that nothing, nothing is impossible. It is clear to you that even if, like some of us read in the daily guide this morning, 40 people take a vow that they will neither eat nor drink until they have put Paul to death, that you will be unruffled, unmoved. Because God is able to reveal their hidden secrets. And if you read that passage this morning, you may have thought like me how sorry, how very sorrowful it will be for those 40 people because if they keep their vow, they are about to become people who died by fasting. If you have no clear assurance in your heart, That God can say of you, I know this person. I know this my son. I know this my daughter. That he will command his children. That he will show them the pathway of righteousness. I know. If God cannot say of you, I know. If God can only look at you and say, I'm not too sure about this one. Talk to the Lord. You need to talk to the Lord. If you cannot say, I know God. He is my Savior. He has bought me with a price. He has completely taken over my being. Now is the time to yield your life to Him. Now is the time to surrender your life to Him. Now is the time to say to Him, Lord, Take charge. On this day, as the prophecy declared, that unless we come as children to the Lord, we should not expect to walk into his kingdom. We should not expect to see it. Now is the opportunity on this children's day to be unto our father like a child and come. Let him receive you. Make you his child indeed. And have the confidence to say, 
I know this one, that he will build the children I put in his church on a foundation, on a foundation that is sure, immovable, indestructible. Talk to the Lord and I hand over to the chaplain as to guide you to come to a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus this morning. You're here this morning and you're not sure that you are a child of God, that you are known by God. Second Timothy 2.19 says the foundation of God, the foundation on which you build your children, the foundation that is on Christ, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them who are his. And let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, depart from sinfulness, depart from evil, depart from his own ways that seem right. But the end is destruction. This morning, father, mother, young man, young woman, who is here? Does the Lord know you? Is there a witness in your spirit that God knows you, that you are at peace with God? If you are not sure, this is the moment for him to know you, for him to get you on that same foundation that doesn't change, for Jesus to make a change, and for your past and sins to be forgiven. And in you dawn, you can build on the foundation that is Christ. You can raise others on that foundation. Are you here? And you want to ask him to come into your life, to forgive you your past, to know you, and to make you his child. Can you raise up your hand where you are? I want the peace of God. I want to be sure I'm standing on the foundation of God, which is Jesus, that no other person can lay. I want... To be forgiven of my past life. I'm desirous of departing from my own ways and iniquity. And to stand on the righteousness of God. Father, this is my desire. If that is you this morning, please raise your hand where you are. Let's pray together with you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Except that which drives your ego. Let's raise your hands and say, Lord, I want the peace. Acharami magi. That's my desire this morning. He's me, he's me, o Lord, standing in the need of you. He's me, he's me, standing in the middle of you. He's me, he's me, standing in the middle of you. As you stand here, you stand because the Spirit of God brought you. You may be a child. You may have taken a decision before, but at this moment, stand as you are in God's presence. And let the change 
the difference that the foundation of Christ makes you real in your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You died on the cross for my sins and for my life. You shed your blood on my behalf. This morning, I stand before you. I confess my past life of not living right with you. Of not living as a child of God. I repent of them all. And I come to you with all my heart and ask you, forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Give me the power to be your child. Give me the power to live in you and to be called by your name. From today onwards, give me the power to live as unto you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as many as receive you, even as children and not so young people, but as they have been drawn by your Spirit, Lord, let a change that no one can write, no one can fathom, a change that you draw in the Spirit that makes manifest in the physical. Let that change that makes the old things pass away and new things come and lightens our spirit and draws us to you and makes us alive in Christ the foundation. Let that change come in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwell upon these ones by his spirit one by one in the name of Jesus Christ and cause a change that is evident in their lives manifest in heaven drawn from the kingdom of darkness and the devil and sold unto you and let it be permanent and remain in the name of Jesus write their names in the book of life and make them your chosen instruments for life and for grace to live unto you all the days of their lives to the glory of your name in Jesus name we pray Father, we pray for the rest of us. Grant us the grace, Lord everyone, to build upon your foundation on the rock, on Jesus Christ, to drink of him, to receive from him wisdom and instruction, and to live as unto him, giving our lives unto him, living as children of the kingdom, as we are rounding up, Lord, the kingdom lifestyle and the teaching. And he said, Lord, anyone who hears you and walks in your way and obeys your word is like a man that has built his house on the rock, on a foundation. The rains come, the floods come, the winds blow, and he remains strong. May our lives remain so in the name of Jesus Christ. When the rains of life come, when the storms of challenges come, when the floods raise up their heads, May a standard of your word be raised against them in the name of Jesus Christ. May the foundation that we have laid in Christ sustain us in the name of Jesus Christ. May the joy that we know him and we walk by him 
and we are in tune with him and his words in us keep us and make us grow in you grow in your spirit grow in your wisdom grow in line with you in favor with you and in favor with man in our social place in our political space in our workplaces in our places of abode and may men take note that we are walking upon the foundation that is Christ Jesus may our lives not only command the ways unto our children but to all who look upon us in the name of Jesus Christ thank you father thank you for the plumb line thank you for the grace that makes manifest thank you as we sustain and may we not be blown away in the vicissitudes of life walking in the kingdom way and lifestyle may we remain strong established kept of you with a testimony that the lord has given us victory again and again in jesus name we pray Whoa.